Welcome to the Modern Moms Roadmap to Balance podcast. My name is Kayla Nettleton, and I'm a licensed therapist, business owner, and coach for moms who want to redefine their motherhood journey so that they can be more connected and in tune to their children and family without sacrificing their own needs. Each week, I'll be bringing you inspiring chats, interviews, and dialogues, all based around helping moms like you unlock their potential and lead the balanced life they want. If you enjoy listening to topics that help you lead a more balanced life, then you've come to the right place. I'm obsessed with helping moms lead the life they want without the guilt, because far too often, moms have been told to choose, choose between their career and family, to have kids or to travel, to prioritize friendship or their family. And I'm saying it's time to embrace that you can have it all. With the right information and support, you can find balance in motherhood without sacrificing your needs. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Now let's begin. Hey, Monica, how's it going? Hi, I'm great. I'm great. I'm so happy to be here. I'm very excited. Yes. I'm so glad that you've taken the time to come and talk to us today. But before we get started, I want to introduce you so that I don't forget later. <laughs> today's guest is Monica, and she is the fo- co-founder of the Leadership Wellness Group, where she provides workshops and coaching for both individuals and organizations. She's also a certified international health coach, a yoga educator, and a yoga therapist. Monica has several mindfulness meditation certificates, a diploma in adult education, and understands the fundamentals of the neuroscience of behavior changes and how to regulate our nervous system in a world where stress is the norm. She has just published her first book, which became an Amazon bestseller entitled A New Way to Be, Becoming Resilient, one breath, habit, and moment at a time. Thank you again, Monica, for being here. And with the question that I ask everyone, what is your definition of a balanced life? Oh my goodness. <laughs> so I thought that was a really simple question when you you sent me that note. And it's so funny because I I actually wrote about it in a blog a couple of years ago. And what I realized is it's such a difficult answer. It depends Mm -hmm. on where you are at this particular moment in time. So I was thinking when I was writing the blog a couple of years ago, my kids were a bit younger. And, you know, I was really in that mindset of I'm trying to balance competing demands of a career Mm and being present and nurturing my family but I completely forgot about myself like I wasn't anywhere in there right it was like career and kids and how do I be yeah. a mom? and how do I be a present and really contributing member I was on a senior leadership team I'm from Canada so at the University of Toronto at the School of Management there okay. and so you know how do I balance that and again I forgot about myself and guess what I Clearly, everything kind of fell apart, right? So I think of it now as really deliberately creating, you know, a life based on what you value the most. So right for me, Mm -hmm. my family is very important. So being present and being able to nurture my my kids, being present for my 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 parents as well, my sister, my siblings, so the extended family, and then you know Mm -hmm. being present in my career as well is really important. And then I add that presence for myself, right? That self-care time, which almost is like, you know, balances them all. 
Um, so, and it's, it's, it's not every day is not balanced. Like it's not, that's what I realized no. as well. Like some days <laughs> I'm fully, you know, on the kids. Right. And other days yeah. fully, you know, in, in delivering workshops. Right. But it's the overall, like making sure maybe in a week mm-hmm. that, you know, there's time for me to breathe. I also actually now know that I need self-care every day. So I bookend it, right? Because I realize yeah. I can't manage the career and the family and being present. Present is the word that keeps coming mm. up for me. So it's like in the time I'm with the family, I'm completely present. Yeah. In the time I'm doing the work, I'm completely mm-hmm. present. Whereas I remember, you know, being at work before when my kids were little and I was thinking about the kids and then being with my kids and I was thinking about, yeah. oh my gosh, all the things I have to do to work. So that mindful present moment and being fully in that moment when you're there mm-hmm. is also for me sort of a, a little secret sauce I discovered. So not a very yeah. clear answer. It's not black and white. Um, no, it's not black and white, but I, I think that you were very clear And one of the things that I really like that you mentioned was the balance can change. Mm -hmm. It's not going to look the same. And we have to be noticing what needs to change. Like you noticed one thing that needed to change for you was that you needed to implement some form of self-care every day so that you can show up the best for your kids or for whatever it is that you had that day. Yeah. And I didn't see it before I had kids, you know, and I I was very career oriented, very career. And it was great because, you know, you'd finish the end of the day and you had you. (laughs) It was like, okay, what am I going to do now in a way, even if it's only a couple of hours or, you know, if it was just me and my husband. Right. It's like, okay, so what? But suddenly when the kids came into the equation, I was like, oh, my gosh, it's 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 this, you know, there's there was I didn't. Mm create time for me it was just I was giving in in you know just just the kids and then just the career and that's where I see yeah. what I see and I was, I was sharing with you earlier I run workshops and programs on resilience now and I, I once did this workshop for a group of executive women who all happened to be mm-hmm. mothers and it was really funny. And we did this poll and they all were mothers. And, and and a lot of them were mothers of, you know, the kids were quite young. Like we're, they weren't like in college or university. They were kids okay. at home. And I had run this assessment with them, this resilient self-assessment. And 90% of them said they were operating in crisis mode most of the time, which... Wow which was 90%, 90%. And it really, it, it, it alarmed them. It, it, it woke them up. It was really interesting. And we spent the, the workshop almost entirely on how to regulate our nervous system on how to prioritize mm-hmm. things on how to bring them into the equation. Right. Because it was really fascinating. Yeah. Um, because that's what leads to burnout. Right. And then suddenly you can't show up for anybody not your not your not your boss or your company and not your kids and you're not even a good role model at that point so no no you're not yeah it's uh it's and and I bet those women were working so hard to show up the best they could in their work and I'm wondering what their level of satisfaction was in their lives Oh, I think when you're operating in crisis mode, I I don't even think they're, you know, they're thinking about level of satisfaction. You're, you're actually in survival, 
right? I, I think crisis mode, you're in survival mode. And so what ends up happening, actually, it's really fascinating when we look at the nervous system, when you're operating in crisis mode, you are not, um, one of the things I teach is Dr. Dan Siegel, model of the brain, which is fascinating. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's an interpersonal neurobiologist, fascinating. And he, I, I actually encountered him first when my girls were little, and I was trying to figure out why they're having these meltdowns right so he has a oh yeah uh-huh so he mm-hmm. teaches the hand model of the brain which says you know we've got and actually he uses his hand and he says it's a handy mm-hmm. model and this looks like your brain but he teaches that when you go into crisis and this is your prefrontal cortex which is your thinking brain your rational sort of part of the brain that helps mm-hmm. you be creative and innovative and really make good decisions so when you think about being a leader like those women I was they were all it was an executive women's group So you need your prefrontal cortex to be able to show up properly at work. But when you're in crisis mode, you flip your lid, which means your whole downstairs brain, right, which is the survival instinct, but as well as habits and and memories and emotions and sort of all the things that run on autopilot take over. So there you are in situations of crisis or needing to show up and make good decisions and be creative and be a leader. And you have flipped your lid. So your prefrontal cortex is disengaged. Right. Yeah. So it, it's, 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 you know, you're then not making good decisions for yourself. Right. So mm-hmm. we need to step back. And this is why I'm so interested in the world of, and the whole area of research of resilience, because there is another way. And I, I learned it on myself. They say, we teach what we need to know. So I, um I needed it. I needed it. Yeah. And you talk about resilience, right? So can you speak more on what what do you mean by resilience? So what is resilience to you? What is it really? And why is it particularly important to moms? Oh, my goodness, this is a fabulous place to to really start. So, um, you know, many people or, or if we first turn to the Webster dictionary definition of resilience, we find, you know, it is about bouncing back, right? So adversity strikes and you know, you bounce back, you know, it's your ability to bounce back from adversity. And that's, it's not to say that's not true, right? But now imagine that, or or that kind of assumes that this adversity will happen once, right? There's one adverse event that happens, (laughs) and then six months pass, and you can bounce back to before. Well, we know that's not the case anymore. Like we've just been talking about these executive women and or or whoever, right? Whoever, anybody, right? We are bombarded with constant stressors these days, right? We live in this chaotic, volatile world with competing demands and a million emails and whatever text messages. And then this happens and this, and then we hear there's a war and then there's a pandemic and then there's your kid like, oh, and somebody's online school. Like, whoa, like, what are you bouncing back to? There's no bouncing yeah. back to something like, no. no. Right. It's about there's a certain centeredness. There's a certain ability to mm-hmm. be able to handle all the stressors with grace and ease. Now, the research shows, and this isn't from the research, but the way we talk about it in, in my programs, in our programs, is we talk about resilience as shock absorbers in a car. Right. So if you imagine, you know, the bumps, you know, the speed bumps on the road or any bumps on the road, right? They're always yeah. there and you don't necessarily foresee them. Right. However, If you have these shock absorbers, those bumps on the road will be a little less bumpy, right? And we all know people Mm -hmm. who have all the stressors, but they're a little less frazzled by those stressors. Another analogy that is often used in in resilience research, it's like having your batteries charged. 
which is very simple, right? So the idea is when your batteries are charged, right? Then when you're hit with multiple stressors, you are you are more poised. You're able to handle it better. You are able to keep your prefrontal cortex online. You don't flip your lid as quickly, right? So, so those are really good analogies for understanding, you know, resilience. And, and we also see it's not necessarily about bouncing back, but often it's about bouncing forward, right? So when all these stressors happen or, or, or there is an adverse event, you actually, there's a growth mindset. You actually can grow and and bounce forward. You can be better than before, mm. right? So I I actually like to use COVID. We didn't bounce back to something like before. We created a new normal, right? So that's yeah, yeah. a really good analogy. It's like oh, we kind of learned some things through the process. So that's that's kind of the the new evidence based definition of what resilience is. Why is it important? Well, it's important because we live in this chaotic world, right? And for moms, especially with these competing demands of wanting Mm -hmm. to be completely present and wanting to nurture our kids, and they're all the demands with them. Like right now, it's not just your child goes to school. Oh, but they've got, they've got track and field Mm -hmm. and they've got soccer and they have ballet and they have tutoring and they have this and they have that. And meanwhile, you're across the city somewhere else and you have to pick them up and you're whoa, right? So you've got all that you may have, you know, a lot of moms are also in the sandwich generation where they're also looking after their maybe elderly parents. And then they've got a career, right? So whoa, like that's a lot of stressors. So why is it important? It's important because we need to learn how to be able to regulate our nervous system. Mm. Also, one of the very big, important things to and I won't even get into that. What I'll get into first is the how do we develop that resilience, which is based on a definition from the American Psychological Association. And this is really, this was the key for me because American Psychological Association said resilience is not a trait that you are, Mm. you either have or don't have. Like it's not a trait that you're born with, right? It is based on habits behaviors, thoughts, and actions that can be built to anyone, right? So that suddenly is like, okay, so resilient individuals have habits, behaviors, have thoughts, and take actions Mm. that make them more resilient. And that to me was like, wait a second, so I can engage in these habits and thoughts and actions and and be that more centered person. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing for those women you were working with, who 90% of them said, they felt like they were operating in crisis mode all of the time. That is a helpful thing to understand that just because we don't know these things right now does not mean we can't learn them and use them to help us regulate Absolutely. starting now and in the future. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So for them, you know, what was really important and I end up doing a series of workshops with them is we dove into what are those habits and behaviors, right? Mm. What are those habits and behaviors of resilient individuals? And it was really interesting. And, and, you know, we do this in all of our programs, you know, there's almost these three pillars and often people think of resilience and they just think of the mindset. I'm going to have a resilient mindset, but guess what? When you flipped your lid and your prefrontal cortex is unengaged, you can't think your way out of stress. So you actually start with the body. You actually Mm. start with the body because the physical, and we call it kind of a physical resilience or physical mastery, because 
you know, when your physical body is off, when you've got the flu, you can't think, you can't show up, you can't be a no. nurturing, loving parent and like this amazing career woman. You can't, like it's impossible. No. Right. You just kind of want to roll up into a ball. I can speak to that. Exactly. I can definitely speak to that more recently. At the beginning, I know we're in November now, but who knows when this is going to be. I don't know. It doesn't matter. (laughs) At the beginning of October, I got really sick with something. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it was, but I felt those effects of whatever it was for Mm -hmm. like the whole month. It brought me down. Mm -hmm. I couldn't think clearly. I felt really tired. So no, you cannot operate mm-hmm. at your most optimal level if you're feeling sick. And when we're dysregulated, when we're in that survival mode, yeah. it's basically as if we're operating while sick. Yep. Yep. That's it. That's it. That's it. And that's what it took for that particular group of women to get it. Mm. They were like, oh my God. So I'm like, we have to put our physical bodies actually first. Yeah. So we have to be strong to be able to handle all the stressors. And so it was really interesting because we talked, the first thing we did with them was we talked about sleep. It turned out these women were not sleeping. Mm-hmm. So we talked about sleep and the hygiene habits. We talked about shutting off their phones at night because the blue light at night is stimulating their melatonin. Mm-hmm right and many of them were perimenopausal so that was you know that was even worse right so we talked about shutting off the phones getting rid of like all blue light at night many of them and I have these is you know these blue blocking glasses I mean I look like Bono in them but you know I kind of leave them off for the podcast but you know the idea of blocking (laughs) that blue light at night so you're um, able to get a full night's sleep we talked about book ending you know physical self-care so Mm. you know doing exercise in the morning getting sunlight in the morning so again to create the melatonin for sleep later Uh, making sure they're drinking enough water, getting the movement in, not from just, oh, I want to be toned and I want to be slim or whatever, but actually getting the oxygen to the brain, getting the, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have all these, uh, and, uh, you know, for my, we call them uh, nadis in yoga, but, you know, they're like these meridians all through our body where the prana, the energy is flowing. So you want to be moving to have that energy flowing, right? Because that's sending a signal to your nervous system. We talked about eating, right? If you eat constantly junky foods, which many of them were eating breakfast, lunch on the go, like they didn't even know what they're eating, their EA or somebody would bring them some kind of food or something was left over. They're having like some kind of insured drink, like horrible. You know, I was explaining to them that that works for a day or two in an emergency situation. Mm -hmm. But when you do that periodically over time, it takes a toll on you. And if you eat junky food... I mean, your whole blood sugar is thrown off everything you're mm-hmm. and, you know, over time, you're going to have junky thoughts, junky organs, junky. Bo- like I used to tell my girls and I say this in my book when they were little, I was trying to explain. It's like this is our house. And we're like the three little pigs. What are you building your house out of, right? Like, are you going to build it out of straw or let's build it out of bricks, right? And mm-hmm. and be strong. And that takes some planning and, and deliberate focus. But the idea, this whole idea, and even understanding that we can use our body to get out of stress. And, and again, in my physical mastery section of the book and in our courses, we teach that we can use our body, our spine, for example, is the super highway. So when we lengthen our spine, like think about how we sit at the computer. Well, we are sending a message to our central nervous system that we are depressed. We're also cutting off 
the oxygen from our diaphragm, our breathe, we don't, we don't, we don't have lungs up here, <laughs> but many people, when I talked to they're breathing here. So they're sending oh, a yeah. signal that they are actually in fight or flight. They're ready to run. So when we use our bodies, right. And we breathe into our upper diaphragm, which is, you know, up, up into our upper abdomen is, which is where our diaphragm is, right. We're sending a signal. We're okay. Right. So we can mm-hmm. actually do that deliberately to send the signal and then our body starts releasing the chemicals to say we're not stressed right so again that physical component is often lost when we talk about resilience but it's really really important so that's where i started with these with these moms right another key area and i mean i can go on so you can stop me whenever you want for no, them, for that particular group of women was Um, Because another big part is that self-awareness, right? And and for them, it was work recovery. So Harvard Business School is doing amazing work on what they've entitled work recovery, which really, you know what it is? Setting boundaries, right? It's really saying, kind of like we said, okay, everything will be, you know, like if you, you have to charge your phone at night, right? You have to shut it off. Like if you don't or whatever, if you don't charge, it's going to die. Well, it's the same thing with us. So having those real boundaries and understanding those boundaries and communicating those boundaries and understanding that work recovery isn't just about being away from work. If you are, this is when when we talked about right at the beginning, when we said we're really present with our kids, like we're really present, even for 20 minutes, we're really present. We don't have the phone. We're not looking at our emails. We're not we're completely present. So, you know, really shutting off from work. So that that was really important for them is really understanding what does work recovery mean? And how do I start setting those boundaries? And in a way, we're many of us are addicted. There's a dopamine hit when you get the email and there's a response and there's, you know, the notification, right? So it's actually being mindful of our own, mm. the, own the, the habits and behaviors we wired into our limbic yeah. brain to fire automatically. So we, mm-hmm. this is why it could be physically really difficult to change those habits because they're actually, mm-hmm. they're neural pathways that be, have been created, right? So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, I mean, I can go on. <laughs> yeah, go on. And, and yes, they can be really difficult. But at the same time, when we acknowledge that for ourselves, like, I'm going to do this, it's probably gonna be uncomfortable because I am the person who answers the email right away when we do that and name it for ourselves, it can make it so much easier to not look at our phone and to put it away and give ourselves 15 to 20 minutes one-on-one time with our kids because that's what they crave. They don't need hours. They just need 15, 20 minutes of our undivided attention. Yeah. It's, it's so true. I read that somewhere years ago, you know, that all a child it's really needs, if you can give them 20 minutes of your complete attention, they will thrive, right? Being with mm-hmm. them for hours on end, but being on your phone and cooking or whatever, that's not yeah. the same or watching to you, but really being there with them. And and that's why it's very interesting. You know, a big core component of all of this is, is mindfulness and being mindful of our behaviors. But I like mm-hmm. to call it presence. It's really being in that present moment. And the same thing with the career, being really in that present moment, you know, being really in that present moment with the kids, being yeah. in that present moment with your self-care, right? Like really being present. Cause I think so many of us are always, you know, we're either ruminating about the fast or we're like thinking about the future. And we, mm-hmm. we, 
we're we're not here, right? And that um, yeah, that 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 creates other crises, right? So yeah, yeah. And so, just a minute ago, we were talking about how our nervous system can go out of whack, basically become dysregulated, right? Mm-hmm. So, what are some of the techniques um, that you teach your clients in being able to? bring themselves back down, regulate their nervous system so that they can find that regulation, mm-hmm. be at peace. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good, good question. I mean, there's so many things you can do, but I think for busy people, first of all, like you said, it's having that awareness. Mm-hmm. So it's noticing yourself, you know, almost mm-hmm. before you get stressed, right? So noticing, oh my gosh, you know, what are, you know, noticing your triggers, when you have noticed that you are stressed, as I said earlier, our spine is like a super highway and it's a, it's, it's like a communicator, right? So there's your nervous system actually consists of your spine, your brain stem, which is sort of right at the kind of at the back mm-hmm. here of your head and, and your brain, right? So that's your, that's your central nervous system. And the spine communicates to the brain stem, which sends the information to the brain. And then the brain sends information through the brain stem back. So what you want to do when you lengthen your spine and you roll your shoulders back, right? Right away, you're signaling that that you're okay. Now, as we talked about earlier, if you breathe in through your nose, not to your mouth, we're not doing that. That's hyperventilating and sending a signal that we're in danger, yeah. that there's something chasing yeah. us. When we take a conscious and deliberate breath in through our nose and try to breathe into our upper abdomen. Okay, that's where our diaphragm is. So we breathe into the upper abdomen. And then when you exhale, you could even contract your belly a little bit, right? So that actually helps your next inhale to almost be a little bit bigger, right? And then also when you exhale for a little bit longer than you inhale, right? Because that again, it's signaling that triggers your parasympathetic or your rest and digest branch of the nervous system, right? When we're mouth breathing and breathing fast into our chest, we can trigger our sympathetic nervous system. So just knowing that, okay, I'm breathing in, I roll my shoulders back, I, you know, I, I lengthen my spine, and I breathe in, you know, we often hear in yoga belly breathing, well, a belly is a little bit low, right? But it's, but it is, it's your upper abdomen and you breathe in there through your nose. You might notice the warm air coming in or the cool air coming in and the warm air coming out. These things can take a second, right? Mm-hmm. But they do yeah. regulate your nervous system. If you want to go farther and if you're by yourself, right? You might not want to do this in like an open concept office, um, although you can do it with your kids, is you actually can hum or sigh or chant on the exhale. And the reason is, is then you're stimulating your vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is this beautiful wandering nerve that again, starts kind of at the back here, back behind yours and crisscrosses through your head body, crisscrosses through your diaphragm and into all the organs and it sends a signal you're okay. So the moment, you, let's say you breathe in and then you, ah, I feel better yeah. right away, right? Or you, mm, yeah. Mm, now I'm like, mm, my kids used to love to do that. I'd be like, you know, or I used to teach the kids too. These are really good tools for the kids. I used to teach them, which in yoga is called an ujjayi breath, or they translate it to be like an ocean breath. So sort of where you 
constrict the glottis in your throat. But I told the kids, it's like a dark Vader breath. So when you're like, <laughs> so that's underneath. So like for yeah, you kind of constrict listeners more, not watching right? the video, <laughs> but you constrict your throat. Okay. And make that dark Vader and elongate it again. It's, it's just, we're just signaling to the nervous system. Mm. It lengthens that breath. Right. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really neat. And it, it's fun. It's a fun one an easy one to do with the kids because I do, I'm like, okay, do your dark Vader breath, you know? And they're like, okay, okay, mommy. <laughs> so those are little things that are really good for people. And I actually learned this from a dear friend who teaches mindfulness. And she, she really taught me to use triggers to help remind myself, right. To remind, and, and she, she teaches lots of workshops to remind ourselves to do these practices before you get stressed, right? So you're constantly resetting your nervous system. So for example, your phone rings and before you answer the phone, you take that deep breath, you lengthen your spine. Let's say you're going into the office. As you're touching the handle of the door, you take a few breaths. You, you know, you transition between home and work. So you take a few breaths. You may sit in your car for a few breaths before you come in and you set you know, an intention of I'm now leaving that I'm leaving that world I'm coming in to be fully present and you take a few breaths. Or as you're waiting for your shower, right? That's a great time to warm up. <laughs> take a few breaths. You're waiting yeah, for yeah. your tea, your water to boil. My gosh, you know, I, I, do, I make a smoothie every day and it takes 90 seconds. There's a lot of breaths to be taken there. And I have to hold the top. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. it'll like <laughs> go all over the place. And it's happened before. So I have to sit there and hold it. So this is my time to do my breathing into my jar. Doing that periodically through the day, you're constantly resetting the nervous system, constantly resetting the nervous system, and you are recharging the battery. You are strengthening those shock absorbers. So then when something happens, it's almost like, okay, you know, now my cup is full. I can, I can handle it, right? I'm not depleted. So those are really good strategies for moms, especially, or, you know, now I have I have a 14 and a 12 year old now, right? So it's different kinds okay. of meltdowns. <laughs> but, you, know, you know, the ability to respond as opposed to react when someone's screaming at you or your toddler's mm-hmm. having a meltdown in, you know, the store, right? Yeah. So, you know, you, we, we, we get stressed right away. So if you can first take a break and take, or take a breath, mm-hmm. right? Roll those shoulders back and take that breath. We're modeling to our children then, right? It yeah. allows you, you know, Victor Frankl, said in his man's search for meaning he said between stimulus and response there's a pause and and that's that's the magic we have to use that Mm -hmm. pause however small to take that breath and and intentionally reset our nervous system and and you know at first when you do it it's not a habit so this is what we talked about we have to instill these habits remember those resilient individuals habits and behaviors thoughts and actions yeah, that they practice. Well, we want those habits to happen automatically, right? We want them to mm-hmm. be wired into our limbic brain, right? Into our basal ganglia, ganglia is part of our limbic brain. 
So what we have to do is we have to repeat it often. We have to do it. So literally use like sticky. I, I have stickies all over. Remind yourself, mindful breath, mindful breath, mind, roll your shoulders back, you know, mindful breath, you know, give yourself, put it in your calendar, right? Every hour, you know, it's really good practice. Mm -hmm. We have these ultra DN rhythms, right? So we have the circadian rhythm is our sleep cycle, but we have an ultra DN rhythm during the day. So it's really good practice. Mm -hmm every so often and everybody's a little bio individual but in general the yeah. research shows let's say if you're working straight for 90 minutes guess what your reserves are depleted you're not able to oh, think yeah right mm -hmm. that's too much on the other hand many of us can't focus anymore because we've taught ourselves to have like add right because yeah. we're constantly checking mm -hmm. our notifications but the idea is if we set a time limit for ourselves maybe yeah. that's an hour maybe it's half an hour for you whatever it is then you stand up, you walk away, you have some water, you do some movement, you take some breaths, mm -hmm. you recharge, and then you come back. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting because I just recognized that this week I've been um, paying more attention to stopping. And that's because we have some baby goats in our backyard that I need to feed. <laughs> during the day my husband feeds them in the morning before he goes to work and he feeds them um in the evening but since I'm home I've volunteered to feed them during the day and so the whole process of making their milk feeding them and cleaning everything up it takes exactly 15 minutes Amazing. but those that 15 minutes is something that I hadn't been doing and so I'm noticing, like, I feel like I've gotten so much done. Like today, even I was working on a presentation and I didn't think I was going to get it done. And then I thought, oh, I have to feed the baby goats. I'm going to have to stop. And then I realized I needed that break yeah. so that I could keep going Yeah. and being around the animals, feeding them, watching their little tails wag as I fed mm. them only made me in such more of a better mood. So it was like an all in all encompassing break. Um, but then I was able to come back and finish what I needed to do when I thought I wasn't going to be able to finish it even today. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is a hundred percent bang on. This is what the research is showing. People think I just have to push through and I'm going to keep going. And then what I'll do instead of taking a break, I'm going to have a coffee and I'm going to have a chocolate chip cookie. And then the glucose, the, the sugar and the caffeine are going to push me through. It's yeah. absolutely the opposite. And what I love about the baby goats, and I, I love that story, is because I think with the baby goats, you have to be completely present, right? Because they're jumping and they're probably like really excited, right? So you can't be thinking yes. about your presentation because if you do, a goat is going to like bite you on the finger or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and exactly. I, I don't yeah. know a lot about goats, but I imagine <laughs> that you have to be fully present and that's oh, why yeah. you know and then so you fully disconnect that's that work recovery that harvard talks about right you mm -hmm. fully disconnect your brain it's almost like it dumps a lot of that junk and then you you reset so it's, it's mm -hmm. perfect everybody should get goats <laughs> that's the solution <laughs> yeah um, or something that's gonna allow them to, i mean because there's already so much research on how having a yeah. dog or a yeah. cat and petting them for what, five, 10 minutes yeah. can help yeah. regulate your nervous system Absolutely. and your breaths because Absolutely. you're co-regulating on each other. So Absolutely. animals, yes, they're, they're something that you have to take care of, but they can be so helpful for yeah. you as well. And I also wanted to, um, you had, you had said 
we often want to just push through. And I wanted to highlight the lie that we tell ourselves, if we stop, we won't be able to get back in that groove, which is a total lie. That's just what we've told ourselves so that we don't allow ourselves to have a break. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's two, this is, okay. There's again, (laughs) there's two parts of this, right? Mm -hmm. There's the people. So this is, um, uh, actually I think it's HBR as well. Harvard business review. There's a great article on adult deficiency trait. So that is like Mm -hmm. ADD, but we've taught ourselves ADD, right? So that's one extreme is where we actually can't focus because we have created these neural pathways of constantly, you know, all these notification emails Mm -hmm. pop up to phones, text phones, constant interruption. So then we can't focus. So that's one aspect. And so we do have to teach ourselves focus. And if somebody's not able to focus, you know, really good techniques are things like the Pomodoro technique, where you actually, you find it, it's free, it's on, you know, you can find it on Google and you, you set it for 20 minutes and then you tell yourself, I'm not going to look at anything else. I'm just going to work on this project for 20 minutes. And then the, the, the ringer, the, the little tomato goes off and you take a break for five minutes and then you do it again. Right. Mm -hmm. But then you expand that time right? So you want to expand it, you know, ideally, I mean, everybody's different, but you can expand it to an hour maximum that 90 minutes, right? So that's the one extreme. The other extreme is where we push, where we're just working and we push beyond that 90 minutes. And that's also both of those extremes are, are, will not lead to enhanced productivity. The enhanced productivity is you focus for a specific set of time and then you take a break and that break could be five minutes. It could be 20 minutes. But the idea is, is you totally break away. You don't Mm -hmm. take your phone with you and look at your emails. You, I don't know. Again, go pet your dog, pet your goats, do something completely different, do some stretches. That's the amazing thing. You know, you stretch your body again, remembering the spine, do some breath work, right? I, I teach a lot of my clients how to do, you know, the, the alternate nostril Nadi Shodana or various versions of it, because that brings all this oxygen into your brain. And also when you do not alternate nostril breathing, you're elongating your exhale, which Mm. brings your parasympathetic system online, right? So you, again, again, you're, you're calm, right? So there's all kinds of neat things you can do for yourself, but it's about making the conscious decision to do these micro practices. And that's what I teach people, micro practices. When we try to overhaul everything and we're like, oh, I'm going to now do this and da, da, da. What happens is we actually activate, you know, our our nervous system actually is like, Mm -hmm. and we're like, oh my God, she's going to change everything. And and we like, we, our brains are designed to like the stable and familiar and they want to protect us. So if all of a sudden you're like, I'm overhauling my life, like that usually you're, you will self-sabotage yourself. So when you do tiny micro practices and you repeat them daily, 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 Mm -hmm. daily, and then you add another tiny micro practice and you add it daily, daily, and you repeat it, what ends up happening is you start building those neural pathways. And then Mm -hmm. over time, you become a new person. And this is why my, my book is actually entitled a new way to be right? Mm-hmm. Because it's a new way to be right. And that's why I said, you know, it's like, it's becoming resilient, one habit, one breath, one moment at a time, right? It's, it's, it's becoming a new person, a person mm-hmm. who's happier, who's healthier, who's stronger, yeah. right? But it you have to be deliberate about it, you have to make that choice, mm-hmm. and then make these tiny little 
in, engage in these tiny practices. One of the things I love and I send to the participants in my program and clients is a book called The Compound Effect. And now you can find it. It's just, there's a little video on YouTube you can watch, which is like five <laughs> minutes long. And what's amazing is, is and I forgot the author's name and I'm so sorry right now, but again, we'll Google it and we can find it. And the video, he shows the compound effect of the tiny micro practices, mm. right? So he gives an example of two guys and one is like going for a walk every day after dinner for 20 minutes. And then, you know, what is the effect 15, 15 years later? Well, one is slim, trim and healthy and the other one has a heart attack, right? It's that mm. kind of thing, right? So the compound yeah, yeah. effect of those tiny little practices, you know, is huge, right? So, oh, yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I do want to mention because- all of this. Yeah. It's, it's all about the small changes, but what I have found is a lot of the clients that I've worked with, they are at first resistant to it yeah. because they've quote unquote, tried it in the past, but what they've actually tried in the past is to only practice these things when they're in a state of distress, right. when they're in a state of dysregulation, right. So these things are not going to work because they never practiced them when they were at a normal state for them, whatever right. normal is, right. right? So when starting these, what I wanted to really note was if you're wanting to start a practice by recognizing your breathing, starting a new habit, make sure you're practicing these things, not just when you're stressed, but when you're in, when you're feeling safe and regulated, yeah, yeah. because it's that way you can build up that muscle memory and you can bring it in when you're distressed in the future. So you need to practice both, not just one, because if you're just practicing these things when you're stressed and dysregulated, they're likely not going to work because yeah. you haven't given yourself the opportunity to really practice them. Right. So it's like what we talked about, right? It's those micro practices throughout the day, mm -hmm. right? So it's like, okay, you know, what's, it's kind of like, again, you're waiting for your water to boil to make tea. It's got, I, I live in Toronto, Canada. It's now gotten cold. I'm drinking tea now again, right? So I have to wait for that. Yeah. I, um, I could run off and be on my phone, but I'm like, hmm, there are, there's a good, mm -hmm almost two minutes for me to do some breathing yeah. um, oh, when you're brewing your coffee or your yeah or whatever you're mm -hmm. standing in line at starbucks for or whatever it's nobody mm -hmm. sees you doing your diaphragmatic breathing and most people are so self-absorbed they don't even notice even if you did the dark mm -hmm. fader breath right so it's yeah. those <laughs> kinds of things right just doing them over and over like you said and then you're charging that battery charging that battery mm. um it's really it's it's really helpful um, and I think the more we do it, the more then when we're in that stressful moment, what we have a natural tendency to do, we don't forget about it because it's like we, we, instead of going into fight or flight, we go into, <laughs> yeah. um, but the other thing I was going to say is in our programs, what we start with is an overwhelm audit, right? So mm -hmm. when people are overwhelmed, so like you said, when there's, they're completely dysregulated, or burnt out we say you really can't start implementing these new resilience enhancing practices mm -hmm. you actually have to clean shop a bit right you almost have to start with priority setting and creating mm -hmm. a really important or emotional why statement 
right? Mm, so, yeah. and, and, and the reason for that is, and I say emotional, I say your why should make you cry. Mm. It just can't be like, oh, I want to have a balanced life or, oh, I want to yeah. be thinner or I don't know, or I want <laughs> to be, like, it should be emotional because emotion lives in that limbic brain along with the habits. Mm. So when you have strong emotion, you actually, you, you're, you're, you're triggering that part of the brain, right? And so it, it's actually helping you to create those habits. It, it gives you, a, you know, the willpower slash why power to get going, right? And, and then again, you put it on sticky notes all over to remind yourself to do these things, right? Because those, it's hard to, those those habits that are already instilled in our brain are there already yeah. right it's like bushwhacking mm-hmm. right so it's like I, mm-hmm. I i go to a friend's cottage and at the beginning of the season when we go and the the path to the lookout is completely overgrown and there's mm-hmm. logs have fallen over it and it's hard it's hard to yeah, go yeah. we get lost we can't find our way we get scratched <laughs> up we're moving trees the kids are like why are we here this is yeah. why do right? we have to do this <laughs> why do we have to do this right but as we travel that path more and more and more, there's a path. We don't get lost. It's really mm-hmm. present. We see, we, we find the lookout, no problem. We enjoy, we're like, oh, isn't this nice? So it's the same thing with neural pathways. Mm-hmm. We have to create them and that's hard work, right? So we need that emotional yeah. why. And I'll give you an example. I worked with a woman once and she was told that she had to make all these health changes. She had to, all these lifestyle changes and, and she wasn't doing them. And she was actually really hard on herself for it like she was actually like beating herself up for the fact that she wasn't doing what her doctor was telling her so she knew to do this right but she wasn't doing it and so we went through the process this one session where I felt like I was just a two-year-old who kept saying yeah but but why do you want to get healthy but why yeah and then she would be like okay well of course I want to be healthy I want to have more energy and but why why do you want to have more energy Mm -hmm. you know and and you know, we just kept doing this over and over again. Mm. And all of a sudden she said, I'm scared I'm going to die. And my girls will be orphaned or not orphaned, but they won't have a mom. And guess yeah, what? She yeah. started to cry. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I felt horrible. But the point is, is suddenly she had the motivation to be like, oh my God, I have to change my life. I don't want, I don't want these girls to go to my funeral. Like I have to do this. I have to do this. And it's going to be hard work because it means yeah, I, yeah. I don't pick up McDonald's on the way home from work because I'm tired. So I, but I don't want them to eat it, but I don't want to eat it either. And like, so all of a sudden, you know, we started brainstorming, well, what are other things she could do? What are, you know, better prepared ideas? Like what, mm-hmm. how can she do this? And everything changed. And, you know, that, that is important. Like when creating one of the hardest things with all these habits, right. And all these ha- habits and behaviors is they are common sense. Like we're talking about sleeping. We're talking about eating well. We're talking about moving. Yeah. We're talking about being positive and being mindful. We know this, mm-hmm. right. It's common sense, but it's not common practice. So we have to make yeah. it common practice. And that takes that emotional. Why it also often takes accountability, right? So mm-hmm. finding a coach, finding a friend, yeah. finding you know, whether it's your doctor, whoever, who's going to keep you accountable. Like I know my dog keeps me accountable for going for a walk twice a day because 
if not, he's going to poo in my living room. <laughs> like that's the, the bottom line. And I don't want to like, yeah. or whatever. And he's looking at me and I'm like, you know what, this is, this is good for me, but it's good for him. So that's an accountability. But you know, when you have a class or you know, a yoga class or a Pilates class with a friend, or you have a walking, like all of a sudden, like it's about, oh, yeah. um, what's her name? Gretchen Rubin in her book, better than before. She says Mm -hmm. she does this work on sort of these four different personality types. And most of us fall in the personality type of obligers. So we won't do something for ourselves, but when it's a teacher, when we have an assignment due, or it's a boss, or it's, Mm -hmm. you know, we've got this appointment, we we show up, but we wouldn't do it for ourselves. So that's what we know that about ourselves. And I know that's definitely me. Definitely. It's a problem. I know I need a lot of accountability. And, you know, even in publishing my book, I could never have self-published because I wouldn't have written that book until like, I don't know, 2030. Like I wouldn't because I'd be, there'd always be something else. Whereas I had a deadline. I had, you know, I had to, okay, this is due. Okay. Now we need this. Now we need this. Now we, and I was like, okay. And, and just like in school, I got it done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those are the ways we start to wire those habits into our brain and start to succeed, right? And start to overcome our, what feels like self-sabotaging mm-hmm. tendencies, but it's not self-sabotaging, yeah. it's just old habits we've got wired in there. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Monica, for joining us today and giving us so many insights and how we can change, you know, some of these habits that have may have a hold on us or it may feel we may feel like they have a hold on us. But before we end, if someone listening is like, oh, I really want to work with Monica, or I want to, you know, learn more about what she does, what is the best way to get in contact with you? Yes. Well, thank you. So probably the website, which is leadershipwellness.ca, leadershipwellness.ca. And, and there, you know, there's an email there. There's, there's a a free companion workbook to the book if somebody wants, and there's a whole series of exercises that you can do. So you can go deeper into the content. You write out your why (laughs) you find your accountability partner, all that is there. Uh, So, so please, yeah, come to the website and, uh, and you can also send me an email uh, from there. And I mean, I'm on the other, whatever social medias, but Mm -hmm not okay yeah. I need accountability to be a little bit better and more present there <laughs> I have yep me too I have gone um on a unannounced hiatus and mm-hmm. I need to get back to it because I really do love showing up in social media it's fun but I I, I need to start that accountability piece for myself right. as well right yeah, but yeah thank yeah. you so much well, thank you we'll link all of that stuff up on the show notes. So if you're driving, don't feel like you have to write everything down. And thank you so much again, Monica, for joining us. Well, it's an honor and pleasure. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. Be sure to check out the show notes for any links to resources we discussed in the episode. If you loved what you heard today, be sure to share it with me by leaving a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening. If you aren't already following me on social media, you can find me on Instagram at Kayla Nettleton underscore LCSW. I love hearing about your insights and aha moments from the show. We'll talk to you soon.